Please be advised, the Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Hey, yo, it's Treasy. It's Martin the Mailman. Yeah, no. It's a, it's a scarce <laughs> yeah. it's a scarce podcast today, Martin. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> shout out to Lazy. Shout out to uh, Corey's resting right now. Yeah, something like that. Corey's resting. Corey just won an Emmy, too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, congratulations to, to to Corey, man, for winning an Emmy for a true crime documentary he did for the city of Virginia Beach, man. So, um, yeah, that's big. That's, that's massive. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He, Corey does has always done great work. It's great to see him be like the the Instagram comments, just everybody talking to him. Every all the praise he's been getting, like, it's very well-deserved. I mean, you guys you guys have been shooting together, what, at least 20 years now? No, nah, not 20. Since uh, about 07. 07, so, so, so about, about 14 years. 14? Yeah, yeah, about 14 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Corey's come a long way, man. And uh, and like you said, man, just, it, like, you know, he's been putting in a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, and then he's just constantly been getting better, man. He, 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 very, he impresses me every time he levels up. Yeah, absolutely. Because he has a job where you could kind of just like, just do what you need to do to get through it. Yeah, that that type of job. But he he still keeps his artistic integrity and like pushes to get new cameras, pushes for different ways to shoot stuff. Like he's he he always has that type of mentality. So I really respect Corey and what he does. Man, that's dope, man. Uh, I know Corey's not listening because he don't listen to podcasts. (laughs) But if he was listening, man, I know he would be very very happy to hear you say that, man. That's dope. Um, yeah, man. Uh, uh, it, 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 we the double dragons today, Mark. Yeah, it's just us two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't seen you in a long time too, which yeah, is funny. It's 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 crazy. Like as the world's opening up, I'm it's almost like atrophy in a, in a certain way. Like, uh, yeah, I remember like um after pandemic hit, like. It, uh, Maybe we were in the house for maybe like two months at that point. Like we was on lockdown for for two months, and then I started taking jobs and I started driving. Man, I forgot how to drive. Like, oh like, really? Like my driving was hella suspect. So, uh, so like, but it didn't slow down for you, right? Like on the mail. Nah, shit? I mean I was working through the whole thing, yeah. so it never really slowed. I mean, the only thing that slowed down is like being able to drive through the city and like no traffic, right? That type of stuff, or. There, there was just certain stuff like trying to get supplies was kind of hard at first. Yeah, um, getting like just PPP, like a uh, mask and gloves and stuff was like really hard those first couple weeks. Yeah, um, but you kind of got used to it. Yeah. It was definitely scary for a long time, but I don't know the way way I feel once I got my vaccine. I ain't really care no more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Pfizer Soze in the building. Yeah, yeah. Man, see, I dag on like. I feel like I got like social atrophy, bro. Like I, oh like, yeah. yeah, it's it's weird. It's like it's just weird, man. I got to get back into the swing of shit, man. But I'm glad everything's opening back up and so forth, man. So yeah, no, you're you're right. It is like weird being, you know, we did when me and uh six did the thing. Yeah, you know, we you know it was it was it was in a room or whatever. So since it was just the two of us, well, that um, that podcast is called um Grams of Snow, right? Grams of, Grams of Snow. Of Snow. It's, it's great. Great snowfall podcast. Come on, man. We we wanted we needed you on an episode, man. But we were we was oh, cranking yeah. them out. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I already knew. And that was that was and I was in the middle of doing a reality show too. So I was giving the work uh, on on fumes. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Anyway, though, I think my favorite um, streaming service right now is probably HBO Max. Like the way yep. 
Netflix obviously has a much bigger um, library. Uh, Hulu kind of has the stuff that like you want to watch every week. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon has a hit like once in a while, like Invincible or The Boys and stuff like that. You got to watch but, Small Axe, bro. I'm sorry. Oh, so yeah. I still got to watch Small Axe. Yeah. But um, HBO Max is kind of like a boutique. And like every time I go, I boot up the um, app. It's like it's something I want to watch. Or something I'm, I might be interested in. Like, there, there's a bar that they set. Yeah. In, and as far as, like, the way they advertise and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they have just, like, a huge library of stuff they don't put on the front page or they don't recommend to you. Right. But the stuff that they do recommend is usually pretty good. Yeah. So I opened up the app, HBO Max, last night, and it was a new fucking Steven Soderbergh film in that joint. Yeah. Uh, yo, I never... Yo, Steven Soderbergh is the most magician-like motherfucking film, like... Mm-hmm. Like you know, a high name filmmaker of all time, bro. This this dude makes movies under the radar, puts out movies under the radar. No marketing strategy. Man. Like he's got like the same PR marketing team that like puts up FX TV and you know yeah. what I'm saying, like <laughs> FX TV shows. They just pop up out of nowhere and then they be good as shit. No, like the marketing plan. He's like, fuck the marketing. It just tell them Steven Soderbergh. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, I'm trying to think. Is he like HBO Max where you can't really find like a bad movie from him? It, he got it, too many movies not to have a bad movie though. Yeah, like everyone that I've seen, if it may not be like super good, but it's mad entertaining. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's called No Sudden Move. Oh, okay. No Sudden no Move. Sudden yeah. Move. I I I don't even know what the shit is about, but uh, I'm definitely I was saving it because I think I'm gonna watch that tomorrow night. I'm leaving for Ohio tomorrow night. Oh, tomorrow. yeah. And, and when I get to the in-laws, I think it's going to be the junk that I just chill out and watch for the night. But, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, a, it's a crime movie. It's Steven Soderbergh, and it's a fucking ensemble cast. That's all I need to know, bro. So I'm all the way in. Um, is it a period piece, too? or Is it? I don't know. Uh, it could be. It kind of had I, – I saw, I saw Don Cheadle was wearing, like, the – like the little feather hat jammy. Yeah. And that and and that did make me think that it was it kind of gave it the noir feel. Yeah. When I saw he was wearing that little feather hat jump. Um yeah, I don't I I legitimately know absolutely nothing about that film. Like Yeah, I I, I don't know anything either. I just heard he might be interested in doing an Oceans 14. I don't know, bro. That Oceans Oceans 8 was bad. Yeah, Oceans 8 was Oceans 8 was bad. If if yeah. we going to talk. And that was Steven Soderbergh, right? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Steven Soderbergh. Oh, it wasn't Soderbergh. No. Oh, okay. It wasn't. Well, he. I'm sure he was produced it, but yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then that he was spared then because that if we were talking about blemishes, that was definitely one of them. I I heard a hacks first on a podcast, and I was when the first time I looked at this show, I was kind of like, man, fuck this show because I'm kind of a comedy Paris. Okay. So I saw that like Jean Smart, who's like a traditional like actress, is right. going to be playing a stand up, and I'm like. Why didn't why wouldn't you just get a stand up in that spot? Got it. Obviously, but then um, a couple episodes in, I was like, man, this this show's great. Like I loved it. Like specifically the moment where I really, I, I was just automatically like attracted and um, I guess I really loved um Hannah I'm I'm buying this performance, but the moment where she's in the uh antique shop. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to give this whole speech about um she really needs this antique or whatever. Right. And up to this point, she's kind of been this like self righteous like 
Gen Z millennial type character who is willing to cancel people who is always willing to point out like problematic stuff and for her to get just as down and dirty and like steal the joint right. is shows she's like a complete hypocrite, which I loved. So that's a fact. That's yeah. like the moment I was like, Oh, I love this show. Yeah. I, th- you know, this show that it had so many moments like that for me where it, where it was like, um, I, I'm probably not as much of a comedy purist as you. Yeah. So when I saw Gene Smart in that character, I just got excited because I was fresh off mayor of East of East Town. Yeah. You know, um, and, and Gene Smart is just, you know, the, the things that I've seen her and she's been very good, very magnetic. Yeah. So I so I automatically knew it was like, oh, she's kinda like a Joan Rivers type joint. You know what I'm saying? I think like, arguably she's funnier in Mayor of East Town in a lot of scenes to me. Than this? Yeah, I than think hacks? so. Uh, she's she's straight comedy in Mayor of East Town. She, to well, she, some she has some of the funniest. She has definitely the funniest scenes in Mayor of East Town. Well, yeah, but yeah. that well, that's the point of her in Mayor of yeah. East Town. You know yeah. what I mean? But like this, this is framed way different. Like she, like she exuded comedy legend. Yeah, she does do that. Yeah, she she did that very very good here. So so just real quick, just so we can get into it. I mean, uh, I'm assuming that you've seen Hacks if. Yeah. You're listening to this podcast, but we're talking about hacks. Spoilers, uh, or, yeah. Yeah, one of the newest uh, HBO Max properties, um, or HBO properties. I like, like you were saying, I I, I don't know which one's Max and which is regular yeah. HBO. <laughs> I'm not um, sure. Yeah, but uh, starting, you know, starring uh, Gene Smart and uh, Hannah Einbinder, who I was not familiar with at all before this. Do you know who her mom is? No. Um, did you ever watch Problem Child too? Oh man, back in the nineties, long time ago. So yeah, I wouldn't her, remember. Her mom is Lawanda. She's like the uh the rich, like redhead girl who was okay. trying to like take uh the kids like uh father or whatever. God She it. was also on the first season of Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I I think I read somewhere that I, both of her parents were in the industry, aren't they? Yeah, they both are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I but uh still you know, you know it's wild. So I didn't know anything about her, never heard of her, never seen her, didn't know who she was. I really, I I was really drawn to her character. I hated yeah. her character. I hated her. I thought her character was an asshole. Like the actual yeah. Ava was an asshole. But um, oh, well, I loved her character because she's like so hypocritical throughout the entire show. <laughs> yeah, the entire so if she was just like she was just like holier than thou, and was that character, I would just absolutely hate her. Yeah. But the fact that she like is vulnerable and she messes up and she sees that like. Her um, righteousness isn't necessarily like the end all, the be all, end all, or whatever. That's throughout the show. I mean, that's I what made her like. I don't think like she her. sees that. I don't think her character sees that, bro. Really? I don't think her character sees that. I think what happens is, is that like, I think what happens is, is that like, um, she says something. I think other people listen to her. Yeah. And she doesn't listen to other people. Does that make sense? Where, okay. So, so, so like, so. I don't think she sees how hypocritical she is. I think what happens is people hear her, people respond to her, and then because other people are sort of like empathetic to the things that she's saying, they change and things work in her favor and she doesn't have to think about anybody else's issues. I think anything that she, I think she's self-absorbed, completely Mm self-absorbed. And it's not until somebody does something that benefits her that she like sees that she like that she sort of opens up. You understand what I'm saying? Like, right. like for instance, uh, um, 
the whole, like the whole way the series ended, right? Like the like, you know, when when it looked like her and um, oh goddamn, what was what was the lady's name? The, the, oh, the um, main comedian, Deborah Vance. Yeah, De- when her and Deborah Vance were on the outs, and then she ran. She the first thing she did was run to those fucking English people. <laughs> you yeah. know, to that, to that, uh, to that. Well, UK you know, she always team. has that. Like, she has that personality trait where she just goes like nuclear in a sense whenever she feels like she's been wrong. That's what I'm like, saying. Like when she she was in a job interview and she wasn't feeling it, she just straight up was like called her a bitch and like went off on her. Exactly. No, <laughs> that's exactly though, yeah, what I'm that, saying. That's that's her character. Yeah. Exactly what I'm saying. Is I mean, that, she like, she had reason to. She she probably never been hit before in her life like that. So. Yeah, but no, she didn't. No, you see the thing about the thing about people like her, and this is why her character was so interesting to me because I I don't think that Hannah Einbinder is this in real life. No, like, I'm pretty sure this is not her in real life. She fucking killed this role. Yeah. What makes me mad about people like that, people that she represents, is it's the person that always wants to be heard, that always wants to be heard, but never puts the shoe in their foot about how mm. other people think about things. She got slapped for a specific reason, right? Like yeah. she got slapped because didn't she do some assholey bitchy shit that got her slapped? Yeah, I can't well, remember. she lied. She lied about going to. Him. I don't know what she exactly said. I don't know. I, I don't know if she called her like a hack or anything, but it started because she lied about going to take an interview or whatever. Right. And Deborah felt like she was abandoning her. Basically, Deborah has abandonment issues because her like sister and her brother pretty much her sister and her husband left her. Right, absolutely. Yeah, which and let's be clear. Obviously, Deborah shouldn't have put her hands on her. Yeah, but but you wanted so bad for Deborah to take in consideration who you've been to her. Mm-hmm. You didn't stop and take consideration into who Deborah has been for you, right? So you put. It's like she put who she's been to Deborah as the top of the hierarchy, like mountain, right? Yeah. Like what Deborah did for her is somewhat negligible. Like it's it's expendable. What I did for you I is mean, more important than what I you did for me. I think it's enough that she didn't like snitch on Deborah when she was given the chance to to those two uh, British like writers. She could have just cashed out and like been on her show and been fine. Yeah, but that so that's one of those things you don't get points for. For like holding your friend down, basically. You don't get points for that. Yeah. You don't get points for that because you put yourself in a situation. You put yourself in that situation. Like, okay, you did something that was semi-unloyal and put yourself in a situation where people were testing your loyalty, basically. Right. But your loyalty wouldn't have got tested had you not done something semi-unloyal. Like, you don't really get points for, like, not snitching on you. That's kind of, like, the lowest bar form, period, of, like, not snitching to your friends to some people that you don't fucking know. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's the lowest bar form of, like, loyalty and friendship. Yeah, I understand. But I don't think, I don't think taking an interview was being disloyal, though. Especially no, if she didn't know the pre the pretense of like uh, that it was gonna be all about Deborah Vance in the first place. Like, I, I agree. I mean, taking it taking it wasn't disloyal, but lying. You, yeah, you, lying about it is absolutely. Disloyal. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. had you been honest with her, uh, taking the interview, not nah, bettering bettering yourself, shit is never a disloyal thing. Yeah. But like being deceptive to better yourself is absolutely a fucking unloyal thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I think she was lying to her. So, because Deborah had a lot on her plate as far as like building up a new hour, and she didn't want to like fuck that up. But yeah, she's like a Gen Z millennial. Like she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't have any accountability. She doesn't really understand like the the consequences for her actions, really. And and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, because I. Cause I I don't want to paint it as all Gen Zs, right? Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. want to paint it like because this this is an integrity issue, and there's people, there's baby boomers that don't have integrity, you know? Yeah, you yeah. know, there's 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 integrityless people in every generation. To me, what Ava really represents is somebody with very a very skewed moral compass, absolutely no integrity for real, um, and really, she's only down to. If it doesn't benefit her, she has absolutely no loyalty to it. It has to benefit her first in order for her to have loyalty to it, though. That's really interesting because that is the conversation between Hannah and um, Deborah in the green room. Mm-hmm. She's where it switched because Gene Smart is like, I mean, yeah, she's saying I kind of have loyalty to myself. Like I was a up and coming comedian. I had a show, but I never did stand up. Like I'm not about to like try to throw my weight around and kick kick out all these like sexual harassers or whatever mm-hmm. I, I gotta do for myself I gotta get, put myself in a position whereas Hannah is like no fuck that you're not thinking of anybody but yourself like why didn't you do more why didn't you do anything so I mean I, that that situation is switched though wouldn't you say and, and, and how did Deborah respond um she responded by listening to what she said. Yeah. And then she acted. Oh, yeah. That's, she did act. She, she yeah. fucking offered the dude 1.69 million, which to me yeah. was my favorite episode. Oh, yeah. That, that was probably my favorite. That was like, that was the episode where I was like, this show is legendary. I think I think that was a great episode because Crashing did, we watched Crashing. Yeah, yeah. We love So Crashing did something similar with uh, Dove Davidoff. He, he played like this kind of club comic whose time is pretty much past him. Mm-hmm. And then there's this whole thing about like sexual harassment and sexual assault. Right. And the way they do it is kind of like, I mean, I think it needed to be done, mm-hmm. but it, it feels kind of like an after, after school special in a way. Right. I, where I, it's I can't like remember a, what they It's like a message. It. It's basically, he's in the green room. There's this... um this waitress he's been hitting on the whole time and she's she's not really trying to give him any play she's just trying to get through her job then he ends up grabbing her like to say hey let's come back to my room and she just totally like reads him and calls him disgusting and says all this shit to him and tells him that his time is basically past him right i do yeah. remember and that was pretty much like kind of the so, end of his yeah character. it was kind of like a message yeah. type of thing he, he was kind of like a shell of himself after that wasn't he I don't I don't remember him doing a lot. I mean, I think he's basically supposed to be representative of a lot of like comedians or like uh club people that have done that to women. Right. Yeah. Which you know, they're fucking violent. I mean, you know, comedy, man, what I obviously when you start peeking underneath the hood, you start realizing comedy is, is his own organism man, and it's very cannibalistic. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's weird because it's like like it seems like the scene of like tier the tiers are small, right? Like, you know, when you're when when you're like a club comic, you know, the the ecosystem of club comics, like you all kind of know each other or you, you know of each other, right? Right? Like, and and then you know, like the tiers are the levels, and once you stand, they're they're very 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 small, 
once you really start breaking it down. But it's very cannibalistic inside that inside yeah. the cave. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then you got a few people who were like, uh, who seem to be very much like, um, uh, you know, like like they like they talk when you hear people talk about Joe Rogan, right? Like he doesn't seem to be part of that cannibalistic society. He's always looking for a way and has always been like the kind of guy that was looking for a way to help his fellow comedians. But then, yeah. but then you got other guys who will absolutely fucking rip your head off for an opportunity. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just, it's just interesting that comedy has its own ecosystem in that way. I mean, I think it's definitely tears because I don't know if Joe Rogan is going out of his way to help an open micer. Um, I mean, there's people like Bobby Lee will help open micers, but like, I think a lot of those, I think, the perception that like LA comedians are all this like Atlanta type rapper, like we all love each other and we all like collaborate and help each other. I think that's only true for like a certain tier of them. Right. I think if you're under that tier, like it, it's still just, it's still an ecosystem where you could be cannibalized and eaten just like any, just like a New York comedian, just like any other comedian. That's very true. And it, and it seems like, I don't want to say it's broken down into like, it's not like years, like high school or it's yeah. like freshman, senior, you know, like every, you know, this class of people that came in in this specific year. It feels like eras, like, you know, every like four to five right. years, there's like, a, you know, there's like a class that the class is like, you know, four to five years. And then, you know, that class moves up and then they're not in touch with the guys that are like right underneath them. Right. It, it, it kind of seems like that, right? Or, or, yeah, I mean, I think podcasting has kind of democratized a lot of it where it's like there be people that have podcasts like um th- there's younger people with podcasts and then there's older people like uh Rogan or um Russell Peters, like mm-hmm. Russell Peters just got a podcast, Joe mm-hmm. Coy like podcast Oh, Joe Joe Coy has one now? Yeah, he has, oh, he's wow. been had one. Okay. Yeah, podcasts make it so like everybody can kind of come together and be equal in a sense. Like it's all about like the views and ads and stuff like that. It's right. not necessarily about like, oh, I'm from this class so I'm better than you. Got I, it. Got it. I can bump you. I can do all this other stuff like Got it. It's it made it so you have to like if you do fucked up shit to people, you have to come and see them and talk to them for like two hours right. at some point. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or fans are going to be like, yo, why aren't you fucking with this dude? Like, I get it. So kind of circling back to, uh, to, to Deborah Vance though, and that whole situation, like, um, she listened to what Ava said and yeah, then she applied it. She applied it. Right. See, I don't see that with Ava. Like there's really, no, there's really no, like, I don't see that with Ava where it doesn't benefit her. Like there's mm-hmm. like like Deborah doing that to that guy benefited her absolutely none. She's a legend. She's not affected by his fucking uh um chauvinistic fucking attitude. You know, like she doesn't even perform at clubs like this anymore to even rub shoulders with this guy. Yeah. This is a this is a you know, she's the only person that can really do something about it in this particular sense. Right, and she didn't have to, and she did because she cared about what this young lady was talking about. There is no case in this show where Ava does something similar where it doesn't benefit her. She listens to some information and she does it, unless I'm just completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be true. I mean, there's there's times she compromises, but it it usually benefits her in the end. Like when she goes through all those tapes, 
like that's something she doesn't want to do, but she does it, and it it ends up helping her and it ends up benefiting her. Yeah. When she did the stole the antique, <laughs> that's definitely a thing where she compromised her own morals and values, and it benefited her. So. Yeah. And and she did it specifically to benefit her yeah. to show this lady that I'm on your side. Yeah. You know she stole. That's why she did that thing with that antique. Everything that she does is to benefit her, and I think that's what she represents. Like, she represents that fucking soulless that very narcissistic person that like really tries to convince you that you're a shitty person yeah absolutely that's exactly who she is <laughs> you know i what mean I her mean? friends call her out on it yeah <laughs> like, yeah exactly whole piece of shit but yeah. but but because she played it so well and because i'm pretty sure hannah einbinder is not that in real life i'm way more intrigued about her career i watched some of her stand-up it wasn't funny Oh yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think she's kind of like an alt type of comedian. But yeah, it yeah. didn't land. Nah, it didn't land. I like her more in this space. Yeah, and and, and I I want how much of this show does she write? Does she write any? I don't think she wrote any of it. She's just an actress. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say maybe her writing might be, might be top tier, but uh. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe <laughs> not. not <as> a <laughs> I mean, I guess that's why I like that. Uh, Deborah Vance like tortures her so much is because you want to see someone like that like go through it and have to question their beliefs and question themselves even though you feel like she never really questioned she never changed at all like yeah. she didn't she didn't at all she absolutely yeah. <laughs> didn't like Deborah did all the changing in this um can all right so we agree that we both really like this show right yeah can I tell you something I didn't like about this show what I didn't like how like this show took every trope of a stereotype of like like the like that left fucking okay you got your assistant's a gay black man you got mm. you know all women on her team you know outside of this guy you know what i'm saying yeah. like it 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 like it checked off every box of like woke liberal I didn't like yeah. that. I, I thought that was a little bit too contrived in that way. I mean, I part of me took it like Deborah Vance makes a conscious choice about who she wants on her team, who she hires on her team. And then the trope of like the rich white guy is automatically like the antagonist, you know, the um the you right. know, the club owner. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's his name? Shooter McGavin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shooter McGavin from fucking uh Waterboy. Was that Waterboy? No, no, no. That was uh What was what was the one? Happy Gilmore, Happy Gilmore, oh, Happy yeah, Gilmore, yeah, yeah. Shoot, yeah. Shooter McGavin. Um, I forget the actor's name in real life, man. He's he's a good actor though. Yeah, but it it was like, it was a it was a very, just very leftist layout, you know, in terms of like, the, the, you know, your staff of people. Like they really just took inclusion to a whole nother level, like. With oh, this feel show, so? I, I feel I feel like it. I and and the only the 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 only thing that gives it portion, you know, uh, somewhat of a saving grace to me is I can make sense of it being Deborah who does this, like Deborah who hires these people, and that she's very deliberate about who she's hiring on her side. But in reality, I feel like that was just like a that that I feel like that was done behind on the executive side of the show, the creator side of the show. I want to create a uh I want to create a show where we're going to it's going to be all inclusion. The whole thing is going to be about inclusion. It's going to be about these type of people. 
And I just felt like it it was disingenuous in that. It's, I'm not mad that they yeah. did it. I just feel like it was disingenuous to do it. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of disagree just because yeah, you're saying they're woke, but like Deborah's help, like her um her maid and like kind of her uh I forgot what the other guy does. They're both Latino, like that. That's very like not woke. Um, mm, good point. Yeah, and I guess they they kind of have to surround the cast with um people of color just because the story is about two white women. So you you kind of have to have more more because it's also a story about Vegas. Like this is like. There's a there's a large like Latino population. I mean, I guess the black manager is like you really. I I get the wokeness in the sense that you really can't have a show without a black person like in some type of role. Now, like it just you're just gonna look crazy. There's gonna be like questions and everything. I really didn't have a problem with the Marcus character. I thought he was like a decent like portrayal of like a gay black man. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like, yeah. I I wasn't mad at it. I thought I thought he did an. Act an amazing job that yeah. actor I don't, I don't know his name i didn't really research him but he did an amazing job as that character yeah he was he was lovable even when he was kind of being like an antagonist mm-hmm. towards um hannah he was still like you understand why he kind of treats her the way he, he does like he's very dismissive of her because she's she thinks she knows everything but she really doesn't and she doesn't know shit. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah i agree see okay so kind of rewind it back you said something and I think that's exactly what I'm trying to say. You said, I guess you have to do that because you have a show about two white women. Yeah. That's my problem. No, you don't. You don't have to do shit. If you don't want to include motherfuckers, you do not have to include motherfuckers. Now, if you want to, obviously you can yeah. too. You know what I mean? So I guess that's where it becomes hypocritical, what I'm saying. Like, you have the right to do whatever you want to do. Right. But be doing it because that's what you really want to do, not because you feel like you have to do it. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but it's like you're you're just gonna deal with like the like girls basically. Like you remember girls? Uh Filmian. Um Girls is a Lena Dunham show. Oh that show. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All white cast is like maybe four or five white girls, uh-huh. no Latino girls, no black girls. There was like a huge um it was a lot of criticism of that show because of that. Mm-hmm. I mean I didn't I didn't have a problem with it. It's it's portraying a specific demographic of white women in Brooklyn that right. people really want to see. Right. And I don't necessarily know that black women and Latino women, any other people of color are always necessarily in that space. Right. I feel like Las Vegas is more of a city where like, I haven't been there, but I think it's probably multicultural in a sense. Like, right. Because it's not really, I don't think it's really like a real city to me. It's, it's more just like a, a mash pit of people who like work together for this specific um goal of like tourism basically mm-hmm. so there's a lot of people coming from different places i don't know if people really like grow up in las vegas and like want to stay there got it yeah I- i'm pretty sure they do i mean once you get off the strip yeah yeah <laughs> like, oh, yeah you know what i mean i'm pretty yeah. sure the-, the whole town is filled with people that that, that you know uh were you know it's just a weird city because I don't know what the culture is in Las Vegas at all besides, like, casinos. Like. I, I think it's very similar to, like, what it is in Los Angeles and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, you know it's, it's, yeah, I think it's pretty much the same except for, you know, it's not as green, you know, because it's a desert. You know what I mean? So, I, But I think the culture is pretty similar, yeah, if, if I had to guess. You know? Yeah, I mean, if I thought about it, like, the way 
if people just defined Virginia Beach by like the ocean front, that's kind of how I would think Vegas is kind of just like God is just that basically. Got it. Got it. I get what you're saying. Writing top tier. Uh, like I, I think from a writing perspective, they really, they really, um, they really nailed this shit, bro. Yeah. They really nailed this shit. You know what I mean? Like, um, the comedy ecosystem. I I think Crashing does a better job with the comedy ecosystem. Oh, for sure. But I, I always expected like famous comedians to show up in this, but they never do. They which do, I, right. I respect that because Crashing already did that. Because Crashing already did that, right, right. Yeah. I, I like the perspective. You know, Crashing gives us the comedy club, comedy store sort of vibe. Yeah. And this gives us the legacy act, right? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you what they did very good that a lot of people dropped the ball on. They did a, they did very good on the on like the photoshopping of the archive material. Oh yeah, like so when you see pictures with her with like Richard Pryor, or yeah. like George Carlin or whatever, that shit looked real. Yeah, it did. That shit looked very good. Like whoever their Photoshop team was, did an amazing job. Even like even the deep fake stuff when when she was on her TV, you know, when the lady uh, when Abe was watching the tapes from like her past career and when you were yeah. seeing the stuff from her show, like we're kind of like. Cheat code. We're watching it while we're we're, I, we're watching hacks while we're. I doing think this sometimes right now. she's kind of stiff, but that's just because she's an old woman, right? But right. it kind of fits because comedians in the seventies were stiff. We're like stiff, they yeah. weren't like going all crazy until that one guy. I forgot who wears the Kango and is always screaming and stuff. Who Sam Kinison? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they weren't doing that yeah. back in the seventies. Sam Kinison. I'm 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 understanding now a lot more that Sam Kinison really changed the game. Oh yeah. yeah, apparently, you know what I'm saying. Like Richard Pryor, Sam Kinison, I guess those would be like two on the Mount Rushmore of comedians of most like comedians' favorites list. Yeah, I mean, I think Patrice would be up there too. For me, yeah, yeah. For I mean, for yeah, for sounding like for for us, but like I don't know if modern comedians, if all modern comedians, put Patrice on that Rush, Mount Rushmore. Like I always hear Kinison, I hear Pryor, a lot. yeah, Carlin, and then Dave Chappelle. Like, yeah. like, yeah, Chris Rock, they'll acknowledge Chris Rock, but they, they, they really give it to Chappelle now in terms yeah. of modern comedians. Um, but I, I just didn't realize how big Kennison was because Kennison was a little bit before my time. And, mm-hmm. and he's, he's probably like the least celebrated or the least talked about because he probably has the least amount of material when you, when you talk about like Carlin and Pryor. Yeah. So he probably has the least amount of material than those guys in terms of archived, but, but cause he died fairly early. I, I think, think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Sam, I remember Sam Kinison died. I want to say like around 86, 87. He died fairly early on. No, it might've been, it was later than that. It was probably like 91, 92. But, um, yeah, he was, he doesn't really get the respect. I don't, he changed comedy for sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if his DNA is in as many comedians as you think, really, nowadays. Right. I think yeah. there's way more prior. Definitely, there's, there's some Chappelle out there. I mean, I think there's a lot of rock, actually. There's a lot of Carlin, so. Yeah. Well, see, and, and because because Kennison didn't really achieve, like, mainstream success. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He kind of died before. It's kind of like Chris Farley. Like, Chris Farley got, Chris Farley, you know, he died, like, sort of, on his way to the to the pinnacle. Yeah. You know, um, so like, you know, I mean, yeah, we got Tommy Boy, we got Black Sheep, we got, you know, we got SNL, we got things to track him, but he, he you know, he doesn't have that much material. And I think Kennison's no. kind of the same way, where it's like, 
I remember he was involved with he. I think he had a show in the eighties, or he 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 had something because I remember his name because of something on television. You know, I was too young for comedy stories. Yeah, and shit. yeah. I remember his name because of television, but I don't even remember what the fuck it was. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, if it was like a sitcom, did he have a show like Roseanne? You know what I mean. I don't remember. I didn't really keep up that much with Kennison for real. Mm-hmm. But I just always knew he was like a great that died before his time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, w- one thing that I like that they do here is like they don't have Gene Smart doing that much stand up. And the stand up that she does do is supposed to be hacky stuff, stuff that she has probably been doing for 20 years or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you don't look at it and judge it against the bars of like a modern day comedian. Like you're not going to judge it against Chappelle. You're not going to judge it against rock or, um, I don't know, a female comedian out now, like mm-hmm. Whitney Cummings or nothing. Whitney you're not going to judge yeah. her material against that. Right. Because you know, she's like a Vegas, like legacy act. Yeah. that And, that, and, and I think that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's smart. In, yeah. In because of... she's not a comedian. So she really probably couldn't handle yeah, probably couldn't do it convincingly in the time they needed her to do it. Right, to learn to be a stand-up. Yeah, and 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 they did it creatively in a way where it added mystique. Right, like mm-hmm. you you kind of feel like um, you kind of feel like you were there. Like okay, like the whole thing about the 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 big last show. Right? Yeah, we saw so much that went into making it that like we almost feel like we saw the show. Yeah. But we absolutely didn't. Yes. That's, that's one, one thing I loved about that is like, she said, I did this show. I did all the material. I did the hour. Mm -hmm. And she was like, how'd it go? She's like, I bombed. Cause I was going to be so mad if she killed. Cause it's like no comedian just has like an hour's worth of jokes that they never tried anywhere. And it's just going to go out there and kill like literally no, maybe Chappelle, but like, is there's so few comedians that could do that, and especially her, who's been out of practice for so long as far as writing new jokes. Right. I'm glad they they made her bomb that entire thing, but she loved it. Very realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. She was like, but there was bits of it that worked. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I thought that was really dope. What do you think about the relationship between her and her daughter? Um, I just love Kaylin Olsen because like, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Is probably one of my favorite shows. Hilarious. Like show. I, I remember being like a kid. And just, I, I, it had to be like one Christmas or something or one Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I was just upstairs. They used to put all the episodes out for free. And I was just upstairs watching it. Mm. And I was like on the ground crying, laughing. <laughs> and, and while everybody else is like eating food downstairs. And they're like, yo, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, is something wrong? <laughs> yeah, you hella dramatic. Yo. Yeah. No, that, sh- no, that show is funny as fuck though. Yeah, I used to just watch, binge the mess out of that show. So I always loved her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily love the daughter stuff that much. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Caitlin Ols- Olsen is funny, but I don't like their relationship. I think the mother daughter relationship is way more um, is way more shown in I think Hannah and Binder and a uh, Gene Smart to me. Yeah, you, but it's good to get that juxtaposition. Yeah, though, because like it's like she fucked up with this kid, and now she's trying to do it right. With yeah, this yeah, yeah. And and as the kid that you fucked up with, I wonder how that makes you feel, man. When you see yeah. like, when you see like, yo, you you got it completely wrong with me, but this bitch that you don't even know. Yeah, for real. Like you give her way more grace than you give me. 
you know. I um, think she's kind of in her own world <laughs> in a lot of situations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, yeah. re- I, I tell, even though, like, I think ultimately, I feel like ultimately Deborah Vance was an asshole to her daughter. Oh, absolutely. And, That's and, probably why she doesn't care that, well, she absolutely cares, but she doesn't, like, call the police on her, like, taking those pictures of her. Well, they made it known that she allows that to yeah. happen, you know, so, so her daughter can earn that living. But I'm not even talking about theoretically. I'm talking about in the realm of what we see in mm-hmm. the show. It's clear, like like the dinner scene, right? Yeah. Where she just completely fucking embarrasses her on yeah. her birthday. Like, she's like a 40-year-old woman. <laughs> You're treating her like she's like a five-year-old kid. Ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I, so it's clear that Deborah Vance is a complete bitch to her daughter. Right. Um, but having said that, I did like I, I liked. OK, I liked how honestly repulsive their relationship was. Yeah. Or like how much content contempt she had for her daughter. I, I like that they were very honest with that. But again, it, it just made the juxtaposition even more interesting that like she would have so much more grace with Ava. Um, you know, and I wonder if it's a thing where it's like you see more potential in her than you do in Ava than you do in your own daughter, or is it truly just I fucked up with my daughter, or that my daughter's attached to so much baggage, my ex husband, who yeah. I just completely fucking hate. You know, um, like I, I wonder what fueled her contempt for her. Did you pick up on that? Um, I, yeah, I think it is kind of like. She messed up with her daughter. Um, It's alluded to that, like, she definitely exploited her daughter financially Mm -hmm. as a child. Yeah. And um, I I think sometimes it's just, like, grandparents are better at raising kids than parents. Yeah. Just because they have have the knowledge and they, they, like, I know a lot of people who they bring their grandparents over there, like, they bring their kids over their grandparents' house. They cram parents to treat them a certain way. It was like, nigga, you ain't treat me like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I yeah. absolutely say that to my mom all the time. Like, dang, yo, you got mad soft now. These grandkids, dog. Like, you was my my mom was she ain't play that shit when I was a kid. Absolutely soft now. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Deborah feels guilty a lot, and but also I think Hannah is probably her intellectual equal in a lot of ways. You think so? I think they can have debates. Like I think a lot of a lot of this show is like the idea is like Hannah is this kind of woke, um, woke comedy writer versus like an a seasoned older comedy writer who had to deal with different things and kind of open the door for her to walk through. And they're they're battling ideologies on certain issues. I think that's what a lot of this show is. So I think mm. Gene Smart doesn't hasn't really had anybody to challenge her in that way. Right. And I, I think she actually like loves it, even though she pretends that she like hates Hannah all the time. <laughs> like she does love it. See, you okay? I'm 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 glad we landed here because that that's a very good point. Um, because intellectually, I don't feel like they're yoked. I feel like Ava is dumb. Really? <laughs> I feel like Ava really is dumb. Like I like. Yeah. She has she has that you know how like certain people like how people th- they can talk that shit but then you be like all right well cool you give them, you give them the hammer all right go ahead and do it well I can't fucking do it well listen then you don't have the wisdom 
Mm-hmm. You have you have a certain amount of knowledge. Yeah. Which you you're you have knowledge and you're speaking to me like you have understanding and you clearly don't. And see to me that makes you kind that that makes that's that's that is um that is emotional immaturity to me and that is intellectual immaturity to me. When you speak like you know something but it's from a very veneer standpoint, it, it it's it's really textbook. You're speaking yeah. to me like you have understanding and you barely have knowledge. You haven't even passed through the threshold of wisdom yet. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that's what I consider. That's almost, that's almost to me, almost less intelligent than somebody that just doesn't know. Because it's like a f- inflated sense of intelligence. And right. to me, that handicaps you. Right? That, that handicaps you because, okay, if you're loud and wrong, I have less respect for you than if you just didn't know in the first place. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that that's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, I don't think, I think she would have fired her like the first day if she really felt she was stupid. I think Ava is probably like a great comedy writer. Like she says it at the funeral, like you are a great writer. Like, and, and that's when Hannah breaks down. So I think she respects like her intellect or whatever, but I, I think it's also... Ava could teach her a lot of stuff about how comedy has progressed or what the elements of it are since, like, Gene Smarter, uh, since Deborah stopped trying and just was kept recycling the same jokes. And I think it's also a thing of, like, sometimes I have, like, a little cousin or a nephew or something, and they want to talk to me about a certain subject. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just fun just talking to them about, like... I mean, my, my nephew talked to me about... Uh, Meek Mill, like, going back to jail one time. Okay. He was, like, really little. He didn't really understand. So it's obviously a messed up subject, but it was just fun to see, like, where his brain was going, where how it works exactly, Mm. and what he thinks about. He he doesn't really understand incarceration or the prison industrial complex or, Mm, like, parole and all these other things. He just, like, this rapper that he liked is going to jail. He doesn't really understand why. Right. And, like, what he thinks of why it is versus, like, what it actually is. And I didn't give him the entire game, but I, I just kind of answered his questions. And it was interesting interesting just to talk to him and see his perspective as a young person, basically. So you said something that lets me know that your you're, you're nephew, you said your nephew, right? Yeah. Is way more intelligent than Ava. Oh, really? He asked questions. Yeah. Ava don't ask no questions. Yeah, she doesn't. She just thinks she knows. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? So 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 I I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right in the fact that Deborah felt challenged by her. But it's not because the things that she was saying was completely right. I think she felt like this little bitch got balls. Yeah. Right? Like so you have the balls to say lewd things but you don't have the capacity to organize what's really important about what you said you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like like you you don't what you said was important but you have no clue why you you have no you have why it's important why it's important yeah (laughs) you just regurgitated a script that you think you're supposed to say because you're 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 that person that gets offended by everything or you know, or, you know, feels like you have to express your opinion every time you have one. I mean, that is a lot of Twitter. That's a lot of the internet. That's so much of the internet is people regurgitating things that they really don't understand or yeah. 
they feel like they have to. Yeah. And and that's that's why a lot of people are very, I, I, you know, I really don't want to say dumb because I don't think it's, let me, let me, I don't think it's most people. I think it's a certain sector yeah. of people. I think like social media makes us think that a certain sector of people has more population than it really does. Right. Right. Like, so today the whole thing is the, uh, what's the young lady, man, who, um, uh, I think it's Shikari Richardson that, yeah, that tested positive for, yeah. you know, marijuana. Now she can't, you know, do the Tokyo thing. And, you know, there's a perception that like people are against her. I'm like, no, no I don't think anybody's against her other no. than the fucking Olympics. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, and then there's probably like a handful of people that, you know, maybe because she looks a certain way, she's a young black woman, you know, she's obviously proud of who she is. Mm -hmm. There's a certain sector of people that that offends. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that sector is small as fuck. Like, yeah. like to like negligible small, but because there's a few people, because that, because a certain post might have a hundred retweets, you think it's important. You think that this is like, this rep this is a poll that represents, this is like a Nielsen poll that represents the whole fucking majority of people. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It's just these hundred people that were fucking dumb enough to retweet this. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in that situation, like, I, I understand why she did what she did, but it's like every girl there is like training their entire life for this thing. Right. And if you can't hold off from that or if you can't find a way to do it and then get it out of your system, like I can't really have any sympathy for you. But I mean, I have sympathy in the, in the fact that like I wanted her to win. I wanted her to run. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's <laughs> like, what do you want to do? Like you knew the rules. Like, I mean, but maybe she'd yeah. go on to something better. Like we're we're gonna talk about pause um another time with Lizzie, but right. that that Ricky Williams episode. Oh man, <laughs> man, it was good. Man. So yeah, like you just hearing him talk, you you understand like everything I never understood about that situation. Right. Right. Just the type of person he was. He was just like a different dude. Yeah. 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 I, I, but I've always had respect for Ricky Williams. Yeah. Um, And I never thought, you know, it's the same thing with like Chappelle went to Africa and everybody, oh, is he fucking crazy? Yeah. Like, no, the man is not crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was obvious then, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah. I, you know, back to that young lady. And I, I, I forget her name again. You said Shik I think it's Shikari Richardson. Shikari Richardson. Yeah. I empathize with her only be first of all, I've never competed in anything on high level like the way that she did and, and much yeah. less broken a record. So yeah, I mean, I've celebrated yeah. smaller wins. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like I've celebrated yeah. I've I've celebrated smaller wins and made bad decisions with them. So I, I, I couldn't dare I, I just hope she learned something from this. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. But but in terms of her making the decision. It's like, man, that's what, we, that's what we do as kids, man. We do shit that we don't really understand. It's immaturity, you know, and mm -hmm. and it has repercussions. You know? Yeah. And how you deal with the repercussions says, I guess, more about you than anything. Right. You know, um, you know, do you act loud and wrong about it? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Or do, or do, you know, do you take it like, yo, I fucked up and I got to keep, I mean, it's dumb. The rules are dumb. The, you know, yeah. th this is dumb. This shouldn't disqualify me. You know what I mean, but you know, I guess I guess how you deal with the repercussions says a lot about you more than anything. And I haven't been following it 
uh, that much yeah. uh, enough to know like what her stance is on everything and all of that. But I mean, I think she's taking responsibility for it, and she's kind of just being like, "I'm a human, just like anybody else." Basically, there it is. But there's a lot of people like caping and saying she's being oppressed. But I'm like, I, I can kind of understand if that is your your means of like dealing with stuff mm-hmm. and you compete in a sport where you're doing it like basketball you're doing it 82 times at least a year right football you're doing it at least 16 times a year so but if this is like once every four years like yeah, <laughs> you kind of gotta man. you kind of gotta like find a way to like get it done so yeah that hurts yeah 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 that hurts um um what do you what do you feel like the uh this series is going next because I don't think it's going to be in Vegas anymore. It seems like they're going on the road. Yeah, so it, it sounds like they're going on the road. So uh, are you kind of sad that it's not going to be in Vegas because Vegas is like a huge part. Like even the the Fallen episode was like my favorite episode mm-hmm. when she meets the dude and like finds out that he was just there to like <sighs> get with a prostitute, blow all his money, and jump out the window. That was heavy. That, that was that. I was laughing so hard when she found out she was basically just a prostitute, but then she gave it up for free. <laughs> Yo, that was I'm Yo. not gonna lie. I, I I was I was teetered in between hilarious and like, yo, this dark, is heavy. Yeah. This is fucking dark, bro. Yeah. Like um Yeah, no, I, I'm actually excited for this thing to go on the road because I feel like um I feel like in those small comedy spaces. Yeah. Even more opportunity for like to take some of the same shit that she dealt with in season one and almost like scale it down, like compact. It's like taking 4K footage and compacting it down to like 1080, right? It's like, right. oh, it's so much more fucking like vibrant and, you know, sharp. It, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like scaling down for, for Deborah is going to be hilarious. Yeah. It's going to be hilarious. Because she's to, in a comfort zone right now all the time, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, like, even down to, like, where is she going to stay when she's on the road? Like, she's high maintenance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This chick is high maintenance, man. You saw how she lives. She has a team on her 24-7. Right. So, there's no way that you're going to be on the road doing, you know, so on the road testing material. It doesn't look like you testing it at auditoriums and at coliseums. It no. looks like you testing it in 300 fucking uh capacity venue yeah even less than that 150 capacity venue i wonder if they're gonna like mash covid into this thing you know and and like less capacity now yeah like but yeah they shot this entire show during covid i think they wrote it and shot it during covid oh kudos to them yeah they did that shit quick but but, um um I, i guess what i'm saying is is that like when she goes out on the road, she's going to be operating at a loss, right? Yeah, you're, you're going to be operating in the red. There's no way that you that the venues that she's going to be playing at the tester material is going to be able to financially uphold what she's used to, right? So we're going to have to see a scaled down version of Deborah. That mm. to me is where a lot of the humor is going to, in my opinion, is probably going to come from. Um her her having to shrink down for these situations you know um, yeah and i think ava will, will be a probably much stronger character because she's used to the road 
Yeah. She's used to doing stand up. I mean, I don't. I think she's a stand up. No, show. she's just a. Well, comedy she's a comedy writer. writer. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, sounds like she was writing for TV shows and stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't see that happening. Oh, I absolutely the arc of Ava. I absolutely see her because, again, because she's very young and loud and wrong. Yeah. And now she's getting a certain amount of experience that I think is going to, it's going to just strengthen how loud and how wrong she is. I think what's happening, I think she's grooming. I think Deborah is grooming her to become a very big problem for her career. Really? I think so, man. I don't, I, I, if this series continues, I don't see them ending up as friends at the end of this because the girl is way too ambitious and she's, she's way too self like egocentric and ambitious. And now she's being armed with an experience of how to become legendary. You understand what I'm saying? Like she's, Mm -hmm. she's getting a chance to sit right next to a legend and really live and walk in the shoes of what a legend had to do. I don't see the end of this being amicable between the two of them. I see the end of this being very nasty between them. Okay. That's what I call. I don't even think Ava sees her. She doesn't really see her as a legend until like towards the end of the first season to me. Mm -hmm. Cause before that, she just sees her as like this hacky comedian who does like these sex jokes that are like, 30, 40 years old and right. stuff like that. Like she doesn't respect her comedy like at all in, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I don't see them. Well, it's like what you said with the wokeness. I don't see this, this series ending as like the, the main idea being like two women can't be friends and they're going to fight and they're going to break up. Like, I don't, I don't think the creators would do that. Hmm. I, I think they will break up eventually just to see, like, if Ava can have her own career. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't think it's going to be like, I don't think they won't be able to come back together and be friends. Right, right, right. Mm, I, I guess only time would be able to tell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Mm, I don't know, man. I, I think there's a whole host of possibilities for this show. I mean, we didn't touch on so much shit. Yeah. But, um, I think there's a whole host of possibilities for this for this show and the arc of this potential show. I think the two main characters, it's awesome seeing, it's awesome seeing this dynamic like this Batman mm-hmm. and Robin duo, um, with with two with two women, you know this legend and this fucking upcoming narcissistic fucking fake woke ass, <laughs> yeah. you know hypocritical, uh, kid, you know child basically. You know, who just lost her father, um, which that was pretty touching, man. You know, yeah. uh, I, I, I can understand that whole position where it's like she was too busy. She was. It's not that she was too busy for her father. It was a mixture between she was she was busy and also like. Like my her mother was a piece of shit, bro. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. so it was like I'm I'm a little too busy, but I'm more so too busy to fucking deal with my mom. And like yeah. you're attached to my mom, so I have to cut you kind of short because I don't want to hear her fucking mouth. And then to see the how that ended with like she didn't even get a chance to say goodbye to her father. Yeah, that was like the last conversation is her like curving her dad. <sighs> That's got to be hurtful, man. Yeah, yeah. Her her mother, her mother. 
you know what they say in writing is if you want to have sympathy for a bad person, introduce a bigger asshole. Mm-hmm. And her mother was absolutely a bigger asshole. I just I thought her mother was just stressed out dealing with the father and the medical bills and like what was going to happen in losing her husband and she never really got a chance to be um vulnerable until like the funeral when uh Deborah went up there and started doing stand up or doing crowd work. Yeah, but you don't get no sympathy from me for me personally. Yeah. You know what I'm saying because it's like once you get a once you get a kid, you kind of got to straighten that the fuck out. Like yeah. you, like you got to put that on a leash and you got to get some help for that because because it was clear that like she's responsible for I think a lot of the trauma of Ava. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Probably that's probably why she's so outspoken for real. Is because she feels like like she never had a place to say something in her own house growing up. So now, like, she has to fucking say, she, like, how she treats everybody is probably how she wish she would have stood up to her mother. You know what I'm saying? I can see that, but I can also see the dad being very supportive of her from a very young age. Like, I can see the, I can yeah. see the dad, like, going to her talent shows, like, going to sporting events, like... He really wanted to be in her life, even though she's like basically grown now. Like he, he wanted to stay in her life as much as possible, mm-hmm. and he was very proud of her and loved everything she did, even if it, even if it was like nothing, basically. Yeah, very much. But he, but obviously, he was the beta in that relationship. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying the mother was clearly the. I alpha mean, especially in that after, once he got sick. Yeah, he's definitely. Yeah. So, so even even an effort of a good father in that particular case. Uh, a supportive father, I should say that, you know, it, that the whole effort, you know, a, a shitty, overbearing, anxious, narcissistic mother will just squash it, squash that. It, it, now you have to take your appreciation for your daughter underground if you're a beta male. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to take, you have to take your support. Uh, here, I gave you a hundred dollars. Don't tell your mom I gave it to you. You know, yeah. it's got to be a bunch of that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't like, you can't really be proud and loud about how you love your daughter in front of this lady because it comes with so much extra baggage. So that's why, that's why to me, her mother was a gaping asshole. Like, because she, she clearly didn't give a, you know, pretty much like a, like an older version of Ava really, you know, didn't give a fuck about nobody but herself. If it didn't benefit her, she wasn't trying to hear it, mm-hmm. you know, um, Loud and wrong, <laughs> and, and fucking and putting putting her stress on everybody else, you know. Yeah, you know, putting her stress and 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 making you feel like you have to be responsible for her stress. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like when you know the whole thing when Ava, uh, when Ava first came to Deborah, and Deborah was basically like, "Get the fuck out of my house!" Like, yeah, I fucking flew here. This that 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 to be in your stupid this and that. I don't give a fuck about you <laughs> yeah. flying here. Like, yeah, I don't. I didn't ask you to come here, dummy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but that's that's you thinking that like the shit that you just had to pummel through, make is bigger, is should be taken more in consideration than the shit that got me here. Mm-hmm. And that's the selfish part. Is like my my journey matters more than your journey. You know. My my presence, my opinion matters more than your opinion. You know, it's that type shit. Yeah. Do, do you feel me or am I, do I sound like a crazy nigga? Yo? No, I, I feel you. I think she believes that, like, because her opinion is right, that she feels her opinion is right. She could be as loud as she wants to. She could be as confrontational as she wants to. And she can say whatever she wants to. Yeah. 
where whereas like I think Deborah has a lot more um wisdom in that department where she can she could jab Ava all day if she really wanted to. She really could. But she she finds it interesting in like molding her into something more. Yeah. Well, I mean, whereas, like, she has to teach her certain things, like, about hard work that she really has no idea of. Like, when she, when Ava tried to, like, recycle her jokes and give it to her, she was like, yo, I went through all of your work. You, you've already written this before. Like, I know that. Why are you just recycling shit? Like, right. actually get down there and do some work. Yeah. Which is what she had to probably learn at some point in her career, so. Mm, that's, that was a good point. Uh, yeah. Honestly, in a vacuum, Ava's a piece of shit. <laughs> I, really, <laughs> I really don't like her, man. Like, yeah, I, I I don't like the character, but I love what Hannah Einbinder brought to this character. Yeah, because I absolutely, even though I know she's not this, she can't be this. If she's this in real life, there's no reason why she should have a career. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, that's how repulsive this girl is. But the fact that she was able to bring that to this character, I'm very excited for what she can do in the future. Like, I'm, I'm, I want to see her in more properties is what I'm getting at. I mean, I think that's kind of her allure is the, the idea that she will say what's on her mind. Like, she has no problem even when she's, like, dead wrong. Like, her friends seem like the type of people who kind of just go along to get along, the ones that she saw in Vegas. Mm-hmm. But she has no problem just telling off Deborah Vance, like, and burning down her entire career. Like, yeah. I, the thing the thing about people like and, and you know and I mean obviously we can wrap this up yeah. a little bit I, I the, the interesting thing about people like that to me is that if they really self-examined who's in their corner like if they really got all the people in the room that they thought had their back right and they really said yo I want you to be extremely honest man do you fuck with me I think she'll find that absolutely nobody fucks with her you know like Mm -hmm. like kind of what we did see in the vegas thing where it's like and even the first girl like the only guy who fucked with it like killed himself yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's like yo, like yeah well yeah of course you know we'll act like we fuck with you but if you really if you really want to get down to it i don't like you (laughs) like like i'm like i'm being nice to you because i'm a nice person right? right like like i have there's no there's nothing for me to gain by being an asshole to you, but don't mistake that for me liking you. Yeah. I have no reason to be honest with you. <laughs> like I'm not a friend to you. You know what I'm saying? I have no reason to be honest with you. So being fake, I, I feel like she has a lot of people that are very, very phony around her. And I, and, and I think that's true to life, man. People that are like that, they just, you know, that's the, that's the irony. It's like, you want everybody to be real. You want everybody to be this, that, this, that. But in reality, like nobody's real around you because you're fucking always loud and wrong. That's, that's why this show is so great is cause like you can say the same exact thing for, um, a lot of the ways people treat Deborah Vance is like her manager was scared to like, tell her what to do basically. And when he finally did, she, she opened up like, her housekeeping is kind of scared to tell her certain things. Like she kind of lives in a bubble and Hannah is probably the only one basically piercing that bubble besides like the guy who owns the casino. 
So you're, oh, okay. So I get it. You're basically saying they're the same person in different tiers. Like, they're kind of the same person at different ages. Well, I mean, no, because obviously Deborah Vance's journey was way, way different than like this entitled um, Ava's journey. So, right. But but they they do live in their own bubbles, both of them in certain ways, and I, I and when their bubbles like react, that's that's when you get these debates. That's when you get the when they're going off on each other. Right. But they they don't always have the most self awareness, even though Deborah Vance is extremely wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that, that and that's where I do get I give her way more credit because at least Deborah Vance has accomplished something. So yeah. any arrogance that she has, I think is is warranted you know she she's she's shown proof you know she's she's made people millions of dollars you know she's made wealthy people even more wealthy mm-hmm. you know what i mean so i i, I think you kind of have you have a leg to stand on a little bit with your arrogance at that point i mean although you should still be humble and be able to listen which she clearly is you know what yeah. i mean but it, you know it, at least you have the fucking analytics that says that I'm usually right. <laughs> yeah. Like, usually yeah. Right. And, yeah and and her manager, I feel like Marcus, he absolutely always told her the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like he always yeah. kept it a bean with her, you know, but she, she decided to do, you know, that's that I, I, I say that that would be the biggest testimony or the biggest like challenge that she has to overcome is that like, she's so used to pushing everybody out. That, yeah. like, she also does push good people out. But it seems like at least, and maybe Marcus is only fucking honest with her because his paycheck depends on it. Mm. You know, maybe if his paycheck didn't depend on it, he wouldn't be so honest. You know, he wouldn't be so loyal. I mean, shit, he lost his boyfriend over her, you know? Yeah. You know, which which I like that whole thing. I like that. The um, Who was the guy that he was rocking with? He was fucking It was, with? like, the water... Um... The, they called him the water cop or something. Yeah, like <laughs> but, water yeah. commissioner type dude. Yeah. But do you remember his name? In the I don't commission? remember his name. Yeah. I, I, I like the fact that he kind of like drew his line in the sand too. Like, yo, I, yeah. can't, I can't fuck with you because you're already in a relationship. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to be second to this woman, you know, which I get it. You know what I yeah. mean? I get it, but I'm, I'm not going to do it. I admire that, you know. Um, it's a great show. It really is. Yeah, man. it really is. So, so you are excited for a season two? Um, yeah, I'm definitely excited for a season two. There's a lot of HBO shows I'm I'm excited for. Mm-hmm. I I just think they're putting out interesting content, even if it doesn't always hit. Like uh, like we're gonna talk about pause, mm-hmm. Michael Che's show. Um, like they they just put out interesting stuff. I think they do the Netflix thing of like Netflix is like let's give a creator a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. But I feel like HBO just chooses like better creators or better projects or more interesting stuff a yeah. lot of times. Yeah. So I definitely like this show. What, what, what do you think their secret sauce is? Like, how do you think they, they their batting average stays so great? They just have a standard. I don't know what that standard is, but mm-hmm. I know the guy who used to run HBO, he left when it became HBO Max. Mm. But I don't know if I don't know if this executives I don't know what their notes process is or 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 I don't know if it's even like a thing of 
I don't think creators pitch to HBO unless they know it's going to be, like, a good show. Like, nobody's pitching, like, bullshit to HBO, I don't think. Or well, you probably wouldn't get a pitch with HBO for, like, five years or something like that. I don't know, man. I mean, law of averages would say that there's definitely some bullshit pitches that come their way. But, okay, so my biggest question would be, just building on what you just said, just assuming that they do get bullshit pitches, okay? Because yeah. you could be absolutely right. Maybe people get their shit together before they even come to HBO. I don't think that the top execs get those pitches. <laughs> I think it. it's Their way lower. Process. They filter it out. Okay. Like, all that stuff. I don't think it's just like, oh, you got a pitch. Here's a bunch of money. Go make your show. Right. We just need content. Like, HBO doesn't seem like a place that's, like, starving, constantly starving for content. Like, right, Like right. Netflix is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Netflix is trying to catch up to the HBO's legacy, really, in terms of uh, content creation. But, um, so that that's what I'm interested in. What is their filtering process? Like, is it a checklist of things you have to hit in order for your show to go to the next level? Because, like, even from a production standpoint, they don't really miss. Yeah. Like, even when it's low budget production, it's good. Like like Curb Your Enthusiasm is low budget production. Right. One camera, fucking beta cam, you know, just barely any lighting, mostly just natural light. You know, pr- probably skeleton crew, you know, uh, probably like a th- four man camera crew, four or five man crew, you know, sound person included. But it's still like the content carries it so heavy. That the mm. production quality doesn't either. So even when they miss with production quality, their content still hits. And I just wonder, like, what that's like. How much creative freedom do your creators have, you know, or how much of that process sort of gets squashed by by commissioners and people appointed to sort of oversee productions, you know? It just makes me wonder because they because they don't miss. They don't miss. Yeah, they. They don't, and I don't watch every HBO show, but there there seems to be, like I said, some invisible standard that, that I have no clue mm-hmm. of what of what marks they're hitting. I mean, I'm, there used to be like certain stuff, like um, sex used to be kind of mandatory in a lot of stuff, but I think they, especially with like Me Too, and especially with movements today, it's like they're not they don't have that same like right mandate anymore. I agree. Because Game of Thrones used to do it a lot. Yeah, mad sex. I I tell you what seems like <laughs> it seems like they do have one rule. Uh, even though like like you're you're exactly right. It seems like a lot of their shows. Well, the 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 more recent nah, because Pause sort of did something similar. Pa- uh, uh, but yeah, but that nudity uh, was like that that was good though, because it it actually served a purpose. It wasn't just like. We're gonna have a scene with like five women butt naked in like this brothel just to have it, right? I <laughs> just get what to, you're just saying. for like joke or whatever, like that. And even in the ending of that episode, it was like it, it meant something. That shit was funny. Yeah, it was. No, but, but the standard I was gonna get to, it seems like they have a bigger, like they have an order for male penis. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. They, like, it's, it's like they, euphoria they, is crazy. Yeah, like it, like penis. It almost seems like a dick has to show up in their show. It like, seems like an over... Uh, I don't want to say an overcorrection, but it seems like a correction to, like, the way female nudity has been portrayed in HBO right, for right. years. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... that. But I'm trying to think. I don't think I saw, we saw any of that in this show, in Hacks. 
No, nah, I didn't really see. I don't think I saw any nudity in Hacks for real. She never gets naked. Um, yeah. Hannah doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, I think uh, I kind of think. Yeah, I think she does. Isn't there a scene? Isn't there some lesbian stuff that happens between her and somebody, and they show like a. I don't know. I don't well, know. she kisses the girl that was like her ex, and she's in bed with um, with Deborah Vance, but that was like a dream or whatever. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah um. But... Okay. Is is I mean I feel like there's a lot that we didn't cover about the show, but I mean I th- I think we covered a lot. Like mm-hmm. we we got to the core of the show. I mean, the two main characters and kind of broke them down. Yeah. I'm with you. What what we want to see in the show in the future and just how funny it is. Yeah, very funny, man. Uh, if by chance you hadn't seen Hacks and we just kind of like completely spoiled it for you, which we didn't, it's still a journey. It's still a fun journey getting there. Definitely go back and watch this, man. Um, it's not short of comedy. It's not short of messaging. Uh, it's not short of drama. You know, it ha- it's, it's very thick on it all. Um, outside of violence, man, you're pretty much going to get everything else in, w- with this show, so. Uh, I definitely recommend it. I'm looking forward to a season two. Um, and, and again, I'm looking forward to seeing forward to seeing more of Hannah Einbinder. I think she's the, she's the, the takeaway from this show that I'm taking away with me. And, and Marcus, I like the dude who plays Marcus, man. I want to see yeah. him in another character just to see what his range is like, because he presents, you know, he's a big black dude. Like he, he potentially could, you know, he kind of, his presence sort of reminds me of um, who played Mbaku. What's the dude's name who played Mbaku? Um, shoot, I, I totally forgot his name now. Yeah. But shout out to Black Panther Wakanda Forever that's just shooting. Just started shooting. Oh, nice. I I, I can't wait to see how you know what happens there with, yeah. with the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, uh, we we definitely doing pause next, man. I wouldn't be mad if we did that Steven Soderbergh movie too, man, because yeah. I'm definitely finna watch that jump. We missed the train with... Uh, I think we missed the train with uh, a quiet what, place too. Town or a yeah, quiet place too. Yeah. too. Yeah, and then Zola. I want to see Zola, bro. Yeah, right, that Zola was on my list for like has been on my list for like the past year. Um, I was looking forward to 2020, but obviously pandemic. You know, kind of. Is it? It's just that. like is it kind of like Spring Breakers or something like that? Um, Somewhat, I think, but it's a little different. So, do you you remember when the the girl Zola did like that string of tweets? It was like a long ass tweet. No, nah, I never read any of them. Whoa, okay. So Zola is based on a long ass sequence of tweets by yeah. um by, by a girl named Zola that just randomly popped up on Twitter. I ain't gonna say randomly, but she she made a wave. She stirred up a wave in 2015 with this string of tweets. Yeah. Um, and I remember, man, everybody was telling me, dog, you got to read this shit. This shit is like a movie. And, um, yeah, man, she basically, she basically turned the world upside down with that shit. And then, uh, you know, apparently somebody got a hold and said, we need to make this into a movie. And they made it into a movie. So yeah. it's, it's basically about like a wild, she was a, she, she worked at Hooters. Yeah. She meets a white girl that talks her into going down to Miami with, with her and these two guys that she never met before. And then it turns into a fucking crazy ass like uh, Cohen Brothers film. Oh, you know? really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just gets wild, man. Yeah, 
Um, and of course, she claims it's a true story. I don't know how true it is, but yeah, it looks like a fun ride, you know. So I mean, it looks interesting, definitely. Definitely looks interesting, man. But um, I think that's gonna do it for us today, man. You know the vibes. If you got uh Instagram or uh Facebook, you can find us at kinda k i n d a movie critics uh, on Twitter at kinda movie crits. Uh, hit subscribe, hit like, do some reviewing, man. You know, speak to us, man. I I know whatever fans that we're gracious enough to still have in our inconsistency, man. We appreciate y'all sticking with us. Uh, and give us some motivation, man. Let us know you're listening, man, and hold us accountable. So, uh, Otherwise, we're just going to keep on wilding out like some like some teenagers and fucking record when we want to record, <laughs> you know, instead of being a little bit more consistent. But uh, we, we, we truly hope to be. But obviously, you saying something would hold us accountable to making us more consistent. So... Uh, remember, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are. We're kind of not just a bunch of people who like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.